since you're going to have to edit this out anyway. Penis. <laughs> oh, you should have not left me alone in this room with this mic. Unless you stopped. Oh, you stopped it, didn't you? Did you stop it? Get ready. Get ready. This is Happy Valley Comedy. It's going to be one heck of a time. What? I said hack. Welcome to the Happy Valley Comedy Podcast. I'm Ryan here with a very special guest, Chuck Fury, man. How you doing? Good. Am I special like short bus special? That kind of special guest? <laughs> Always, of course. <laughs> That's why you're here. We're doing community well, service. Before I, I, we go further, I got to pick up on not with you. Spencer Riley said I look like a white supremacist the last <laughs> time he was on here. And I've been trying to think of a good insult, but all I can think of is he looks like a Jewish Mario Slater or uh, Mario Lopez. He does, <laughs> and that's still really good looking. So I don't have a good insult for him. But I mean, that was a pretty good insult that he had. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yours is still workshopping. Yeah, I just there's nothing you can say about a dude that good looking. I just <laughs> other than we better never go to prison together. That's that's all. the best I can do is a threat. <laughs> Dude, Chuck, so you you are a resident of Utah County and many other counties. Yeah, I was going to say kind of, <laughs> as residential as you can get when you live in your car. But you've been doing comedy here for, what, like six, seven months? It's um, 11 months on the 20th, so in just, what, what's the day, the 19th, 18th? Yeah, it's the 19th it's today. A, about 11, it, it's a weird story. Um, I started doing comedy December 10th of 2019. I did two open mics in 2019. I did an open mic January 1st, and I bombed so severely. Like, it was it was the most cringe, like, one of the most epic cringe mics of all time. And nobody would look me in the eye after. And so I got in this thing where part of it was I didn't have t- I couldn't take time off from making money to make all the open mics. And I started writing a new, a new set because I, I, I didn't want to bomb again. I was so scared. And then COVID hit. And... Then I didn't know Wise Guys had reopened. I sat out for 18 months, so I kind of give myself one month before COVID, and then I came back on July 20th. So, in some weird way, June 20th will be my one year in comedy. <laughs> Look at you! We're coming up on it. <laughs> yeah, we're coming up. Still a, a rookie though. Where'd you do that at? You did that at the bucket list, Wise Guys, yeah. The first two mics I did were the bucket list. Then I showed up just to scout a Wednesday. And I'd already paid online. They said, hey, if you put your name on the standby, you can get in free. And I was like, well, I already paid, but I'll do it. Because it was just, it was stupid street pride, like never back down from anything. And I should have just went and watched. I didn't know that it was a mic where it was like um, people were actually bringing their A game instead of testing stuff out. And so I came with all new stuff that I hadn't even practiced to myself, took my notes on stage. And I was doing some really touchy material, too, like... SJ making fun of SJWs and, and there was some line in there about the people who invented uh, these geniuses who came up with people of color and why don't you just go back to colored people and I didn't realize at the time nobody know, has seen a family portrait of me nobody there knows who I am I didn't realize looking how I look it, it took me I think months to realize oh you just look like a big angry skinhead up there <laughs> Bitching about SJWs. <laughs> nobody, yeah, because nobody knew who you were. Oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, like, they didn't know anything. Like, this guy's like, about to start a rally right now. Yeah, <laughs> it, I've got yeah, I've got a joke now that talks about, you know. Anyway, it's, it's like, uh, 
basically, this is my real voice. Yes, this is my natural complexion. And the answer to your next question is not a high enough percentage to use the N-word on stage. But sometimes I still do it. And, (laughs) yeah, so it's like there's not enough of anything else there to claim it without coming off like Pocahontas. (laughs) 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 So it was just like, yeah, it was bad. It was so it, and I was so embarrassed. And you think people remember your bombs more than you do. And so I was, yeah. Right. And I knew you should get right back on stage after a bomb. But I, you know, if I'd have known COVID was coming, I definitely would have. But yeah, that was a long, long 18 months living with that bomb. And it just gets worse in your mind every day, you know. Right. Yeah. So why comedy then? Like, why Like why they even got you into it? So when I was a little kid, I was always, when I Elementary school. I was always getting in trouble for class clown, taking jokes too far. The worst one, I got expelled once, like literally expelled, but the secretary at the school talked them into not doing it. They had the paperwork done because I had put Origel in this cat's lunch, and and turned out he was Christian scientist, so I had just, like, violated his whole religion. (laughs) But I was always getting into trouble. My dad was a big comedy fan, so he was always telling me things growing up, like um, uh, stuff like comics say things say funny things comedians say things funny he was always telling me about when people get offended like when don rickles or joan rivers shit on them that they don't realize that's a badge of honor to that you've made it when that happens and then throughout my life anytime something weird would happen to me or something i didn't like i would always be in my mind i i was doing a comedy routine i was imagining i was on stage and i somewhere in the back of my mind i thought i would always do it but you raising a family. I'm busy being married three different times. And it's like, there was no, I didn't even know how to get into it. And when everything fell apart the last time, um, when my, when, not, not like the marriage, but when my life fell apart the last time because of just everything, I just lost everything. It's one of those weird things. You can be in recovery, not relapsing and still lose everything. And I got really mentally unstable to where even the, um, the program that I used to stay clean uh, and and normally be happy, it wasn't having the same effect. Like um, it was keeping me clean, it was keeping me from being miserable, but I wasn't happy. Right. And I was I was actually at the point where I was always trying to get in fights because and and this is just my honest thought process was I didn't want to take my own life and have my kids and grandkids have to live with that. But if I got into a fight and somebody did that for me, nobody would have to know. And um, therapy didn't work for me at all. And at some point, I finally just, I kept toying with stand-up. Because at this point, I'm just doing side gigs in my car. I don't want to have a job anymore, which wasn't part of the, that was just something I never liked being part of regular society. I was messed up in the head before. And... (laughs) It was weird. The first time I actually stepped on the stage and did an open mic, it was like I found, I was home. It was like I've done so many different things in my life, had so many different jobs. I even literally played poker professionally legit for a while. Not like you see on TV, but it was low stakes. And I've had jobs that I liked and even kind of loved, but nothing. This was the first thing that was ever a calling, like this is it. And that's all the only thing I know how to describe it. I used to hear things like when people would, whatever they were doing, they'd say failure is not an option. And it's like, yeah, that's a nice cliche and rah, rah. But this is the, it's like, oh no, this is weird for me. Cause it's like, now I know what that means. And it's not even a motivational thing. It's like, I just, I can't see it going any other way. And I'm not saying like, I'm going to be big or anything like that. I'm just saying, 
I there's nothing else for me, and I don't. There's not a vision in my mind that I can't um, at some point be making a living from this and be okay. It just it doesn't exist for me to not do this anymore. I don't. It's this and my grandkids. That's. I can't really describe it, but that's that's the shortest answer to that question I can give. I mean, you're really you're good at it. You're fun. You're funny. You're super supportive within the space. Like I feel like a lot of people know who you are. Like even this place where we're at, the Hive Collaborative, where we're recording, they're like, "Oh, we know Chuck. He's like tagged us in a bunch of stuff <laughs> because you're just so supportive to, uh, to all the shows that are going on." And it just, I mean, I I feel like that just screams. Not only support, but just like love of the industry. Yeah, I'm just a, a comedy fan. It's like I didn't. It was a lot of people commented on that, and I I actually can see now where it's helped me a lot. But there was no calculation going in. It was just like I love comedy. I see other local comics trying to make it, uh, and I'm very much um, of the opinion that in, in any space really, but in this space, there there's enough to go. Like any competition we're in is not. It's not that scarcity mentality. It's not like uh, any competition we're in is healthy. Like, I'm going to push you. You're going to push me. Um, for a long time, I was scared to death of following Max Bamey and Tanner Rolfe, who's sitting right here. And it, it, that was like a good thing. It pushed me to get better or learn techniques to bring the audience to um, my pace or, or my style and not yeah. just jump right in and try and match punchline for punchline. Any of the competitions have been positive, and I just – I view, I know not everybody's gonna make it, but at the same time, I view it as there's there's enough to go around, and anybody who's got the talent to make it, well, there's enough demand for it. Yeah. Speaking of Max Bamey, let's have a moment of silence. I know. And for those of you who don't know, Max just announced he's done with stand up. It's either I was texting you earlier, like earlier this week, saying it's either the end of the world, <laughs> or yeah. I mean, it was because you responded back. What did you What did you say? Oh, uh, yeah, guys. I had actually just recently made a post about the world was ending because I got signed to do a clean show, <laughs> <laughs> and I had referenced that or something about yeah, this confirms yeah, it. Yeah, that's that was one of the four horsemen, and now the second is ba- Max Bamey <laughs> yeah. quitting comedy. Yeah, and he's doing full time writing. Like he's still going to be writing because he's a great writer. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what he told me. A while ago, and apparently he's told you and some other people that he's going to continue to write comedy. He well, just doesn't want to yeah, perform Yeah, we it. were just saying on mic, though. Because it's so funny. Cause, so you, me, and a bunch of other guys did a show at Maple Mountain. Uh, what was that, last week? Was it two uh, weeks ago? Yeah, that's right. You were, I mean, yeah. Tanner was there. So, and Max freaking killed it. He, yeah, he slayed. He, he ins- like. Murdered. There was, there, was a ti- there was a time where I thought I was just going to. Like lose my lunch or or the bottom of my shorts. I I just didn't. the The man just wouldn't stop with the jokes. I was literally physically tired from laughing after that yeah. show, and yeah. he delivered so well that even the jokes that I knew the punchline was coming and knew what it was just still mm-hmm. caught me and swerved me because he just delivered so perfectly. It was just insane. Yeah, and like, and you had he didn't mention anything about it. You hadn't mentioned anything about it, and. You you were telling me off mic that you just assumed that all right he's back and we're gonna be doing some more. But. Yeah, he talked about he was thinking about quitting before the show and and uh, and I just figured it was a phase. And I'm gonna say this is something else I said to you off mic was for him 
he thinks he's bombing when he's getting regular laughs because he slays so hard. Mm-hmm. And he's I've just been bombing at open mics lately, and and I don't know if there were shows that he felt like he was bombing, but. And I even expressed that to him, like, Max, your bombing is, is somebody else's killing sometimes even, you know. And mm-hmm. and so after that show, he has slayed. I, like, I've seen him slay, and he had slayed better than I'd ever. Like, he killed harder than I'd ever seen him kill. Yeah. And and I just thought, okay, yeah. phase over. He he got what he needed. He knows he's still funny. and But, you know, apparently that's, you know, wasn't just, I mean, I'm not going to presume to speak for the man or be inside his head. I wish he wouldn't quit, but I respect his decision. Oh, yeah. I think he's... I don't know if, if this is a drug for him like it is for some of us. I don't know if he'll really stay gone like he thinks, but that's what he says. So. We can only hope, but I I love the guy. He's a good guy. I hope he finds what he's looking for, yeah. and I'm going to miss him because um, I invited him to be on the podcast, and he said, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if he's a bit. I don't know if I've ever heard him on. I don't. I haven't heard a podcast that he's on. I, he doesn't strike me as a podcast guy. Yeah, but probably not. I don't know. But no, I got to say this right now because like I, I've said this to both these guys, and they know. Like I have like two local comedy man crushes, and it is Tanner Rolf and Max Bamey, and I've been on shows with both of them. But and this will, I'm sure this will air after after the fact. But the Sunday night special that's coming up at Wise Guys, like they just put Tanner on it. Max was already on it, so it's like. I get to be on this show with my two heroes. It's like I'm just, yeah, I'm just a kid in a candy store right now. Yeah, that's pretty freaking cool. Congrats again, by the way, for Sunday Sunday special, Tanner. Uh, I like what you were saying earlier there, Chuck, about like it not being competitive. The thing is, though, is comedy, and I can't speak for outside of Utah, but we seem to be pretty supportive. Like the whole space seems to be pretty supportive. But it does exist, like the yeah. the competitiveness, the envy, the just the jealousy, and all of that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't know, man. That kind of kills it for me. I've seen some of it here and there, um, and if if I'm honest, we all fall into it. I think a little bit because I, you'll get, and this is just the way bookings go. But you'll get a bunch of shows all in a row, and then you'll be a little bit dry for a while. At least when you're starting out in this opening act feature stage that I'm in. You know, there's not a lot of consistency of booking. So if I come off like four or five shows in a row and I don't have anything for a couple of weeks, sometimes I'll I'll see something come up and somebody signed to it. And I'm like, my first thought starts, well, how did they get booked? And I didn't. And I start to get that little jealousy going. And I, I honestly yeah. think I put off a vibe. It could just be coincidence. Um, but it seems like when I'm starting to feel competitive in that negative way, that the bookings don't come in. And as soon as I say out loud to myself, there's two ways I'll say is comedy owes you nothing or comedy doesn't owe you shit. And as soon as I say that out loud and realize it, I get real positive again and realize I'm really lucky to be doing this period, let alone some of the opportunities I've had as a rookie. And as soon as my attitude changes, the bookings start coming in again. And I, I, I don't know if that's... Is that a universe thing? Do you believe in I the don't, universe? I don't believe in that, but I do believe that. And I, I don't, sometimes I'm saying that's impossible. I just don't believe that. But I do believe that I put out, like, that you come off as negative or positive to people and that they pick up, pick up things subconsciously. And that, that could be it. Maybe it's not. Um, but... I do know this this market it has a lot less of the jealousy and the backstabbing and uh, a lot of times if a comic is going to criticize me they'll say it to me. Um, there's a lot of comics that I have relationships that will criticize each other bluntly, like helping each other, like right, yeah, like hey, here's how you can improve that or or hey, don't 
if someone's heckling you, yeah, but don't some, go after them mad. Yeah, some people, some people bristle at that too. Yeah, like some yeah. Some, people, oh people yeah, push push back on that. Yeah, they do. I tend to just not tell people what to do. I know? don't tell everybody. Yeah. There's there's certain people I have a relationship with that that we can say that to each other. That's not something I'll say to every comic. But I I did notice because um, I went down to I I used to go to Vegas a lot um, and I went down and visited Austin and. You know, I've been around a little bit, not a lot, and there is a lot less of the envy and backstabbing here. And and the other thing, there's no bullshit to places I've seen, um, and I've heard other comics talk about this too, it's way more talented here. Like, the huh. the top of the scenes, the headliners are always the headliners, they're good, but when you're talking top to bottom, there is a lot more talent in this market. We're and, pretty well-rounded here in Utah. The, the comic talent is just better. Like, you go to open mics out of state, you see some bad open mics here, but there are more funny people here. There's more people doing ABC comedy, you know, the the setup punchline tag that are good at it. There's more people working on their delivery. I, I think Wise Guys has had a lot to do with that, um, just creating. But there's also something I've noticed, like being in other scenes. Um, like when I talked about poker before, the poker scene here. When I moved to Vegas, I was surprised to, to see that the low limits legal games there were so much the the level of skill was so much lower than the, the low limits home games I was playing in here mm-hmm. before I moved down there. And and there's the same thing with like I used to uh I used to be in this rap group back in the day that got a little bit of radio play and the hip hop scene here was more talented. And I think it's that huh. any place where there's and Salt Lake is not really oppressed like people think it is and it's very liberal city, but any place that there's this culture of oppression or perceived oppression is basically I think you have to be a lot more serious to go to a poker game in Salt Lake City where you might go to jail or at least cast a, catch a misdemeanor for a home game where in most states they're legal the home games are there's just a, a higher level of commitment uh, a lot of comedy is considered blue and I think that it mm-hmm. takes more for a comic to step on stage and say let me give this a try here because right. they perceive there's going to be a backlash and that's the only thing I put my finger on it I think because Salt Lake has this reputation of being milk toast at anything that is counterculture. The people who jump into it tend to be more committed to it when they jump in, and that's just my theory. Yeah, I mean it's a fun time. Yeah. I I like Utah comedy. I think it's fun here. Yeah, I mean there seems to be like uh, classic staples, the Mormon Church. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's just like the normal. Well, there's this perception in Utah County that like. All you can do is clean comedy here, and that's just not the yeah, case. Yeah, that's definitely not true. I mean, that definitely flies here, and there's a market for it, but the other side of that is there's a, a lot of people here who don't want to have to drive up to Salt Lake to hear. I don't even like the terms clean comedy and blue comedy, but it is what it is, I guess. It's, it's how people label it. Comedy is comedy. Yeah, that's this. I know Tanner and I have talked about this. I just write, and most of my stuff happens to be considered dirty, and I, he's expressed to me... Correct me if I get this wrong, but he just writes, and most of his stuff just happens to be considered clean. Right. Like, I, I don't like, and, and I'm, I'll do shows, but I don't like as much being told, we want you to be clean, or even, I don't I don't want to do a show where they say, we want you to be raunchy. I just want to go be funny, and whatever my set happens to be at the time. Yeah, I, but I, I mean, it is tough, because there's like, I mean, me as a promoter, like, there are venues who, yeah. like, the, I was just talking to a new venue today, where it's just like... We had this show happen, and, like, that is not our brand. Yeah. And, like, they found that out 
at the actual like event. I'm like, yeah. ooh, this could be bad. No, I, I definitely understand it. Like the show that I'm about to do that's a clean show is I understand that's what it's being marketed for. There's a target demographic they're trying to hit. Yeah, I understand completely that I, this is going to sound real pompous in the word I'm looking for, but that, <laughs> but the artistic side doesn't always match with the business side. And so I do understand that there's, you know, I want to do the pure artistic, let me do what I do, but the bill's got to be paid and the show's got to sell. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people because I, I mean, I don't know what this gig is that you have, but you have done you have done unique gigs in the past. Yeah. Like uh, when I first met you, you told me it was like, yeah, I've done a show in Spanish Fork. You did it for like a what, like a veterans? It was uh, it was a function for one of the twelve step programs, right? And it was at the Veterans Memorial Building in Spanish Fork, right? Yeah, and that was a uh, that was a weird. It was a cool show. It was, it was one of the favorites I've ever done, but. Um, I'll just tell the story if I can. I'm 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 long with it, so stop me if I go. But so I was doing this show, and um, they told me the time was pretty much open. They do at least twenty, and I ended up doing like twenty-seven because at the time, I just threw everything I had that was polished, and I there were two bits I have. One is called Jerking for Jesus. The other one's called Big Pimpin' JC, and the only place I had ever done those. In the same show, let alone back-to-back, was at Provo Uncensored because I know that audience really well, and I know they can handle that much sacrilege, and it was cool. But this was, um, well, okay, I'll just say the name because I'm not saying whether or not I'm a member. It's a Narcotics Anonymous function. So I'm thinking, okay, a good 30% of the people in this audience have been to prison. (laughs) Uh, I know a lot of those people very, very well. They're most 12-step meetings, you can go in there and hear God and fuck in the same sentence, and they're not trying to be sacrilegious. They're talking about some spiritual experience. So I thought, this is no problem. So I did Jerking for Jesus, and half the audience is really laughing, and people start to trickle out, and I'm thinking, well, maybe this, you know, this is the last thing on the counter. Maybe they got places to be. I go into Big, Big Pimp and JC, and by the time I was done with the second bit, I had lived, this was a packed room and I had literally walked half the audience. <laughs> they were gone and I'm making fun of them going out the door. Like I just put my foot on the gas pedal. I was like, I'm committed to this. So I'm making fun of them as they're leaving. And then I wrapped up and, and, and they gave the ones that stayed gave me a standing ovation. <laughs> and the event <laughs> organizer asked me to come back. <laughs> and I, That's I, cool. Yeah. I told him, maybe you should talk to some of the people who I walked and let's, let's wait a few months and, you know, we'll talk, like, I'm not opposed to doing it again, but it was like, let's, let's let this, you know, let you wrap your head around. It's cool because it's like, it's something I never want to do again, but it's an experience I would never trade for the world either because it's such a cool story. And Right. I mean, it's tough to walk. But I mean, I've never, I've never walked any. Are you, are you in the camp where if you walk somebody, then you had a good night? Kind of. It, it, there is a certain badge of honor to it, but it, it's stupidity to go for that goal every time like my mm-hmm. goal is eventually to build enough of a following that they know what they're coming and they want to come see a chuck fury show but i'm also i very much like that patrice o'neill men- mentality of you're not doing your job half the crowd should love you and the other half should be horrified uh-huh. and I, I like that philosophy but it's not it's not something you should be shooting for every time to me it's like okay i got the one story where i actually did that but I eventually wanted to get to the point that people know me enough that they know what they're getting into and and that they're not going to be so horrified. <laughs>
I know, I know you don't like shorter podcasts, no, man. We're cool, brother. Yeah. We're cool. <laughs> but I appreciate you, Chuck Fury. Guys, where, where can we find you, dude? Uh, the easiest place is furiouscomedy.com. Um, the, I'll just one of the social medias I'll say is just at Chuck Fury Comedy on Instagram. But furiouscomedy.com has all of my social media listed right there, as long as, as well as my social show schedule. So that's probably the best place to go. Yeah, every Saturday you run our open mic for May, us. Yes, the uh, Maple Mountain Com- or excuse me, the Happy Valley Comedy uh, open mic over at uh, Maple Mountain Bar and Grill in Spanish Fork. Spanish I renamed it Furious Laughter because I'm a selfish bastard and I like that <laughs> name. We were calling it No Holds Barred, but that was the same name as the show. So the same name as the show, but yeah. why why not? Why not just ride out the, the brand of Chuck Fury? But cool. Well, thanks, dude. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you. Go check out Chuck Fury on Instagram. Go check him out on his website. Go check him out on the open mic. You can probably find him pretty much at any open mic that we got going on here in Utah or Salt Lake County, too, right? I go to a lot of them. Not all of them, but I do go to a lot. But, yeah, Maple Mountain Bar and Grill every Saturday you will find me there. Except the first of the month because that's our no-hold bar showcase. But you still. I'll be there, but I won't be open mic. He's still there. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Bye-bye. Penis. <laughs> Couldn't resist. What's up, Chuck? Hey, brother, how you doing? Doing good. How you been? Good. Did you yes, leave this rolling or did you pause it? That's gone. <laughs> I left you a little surprise on there. <laughs>